Hello and welcome back to The Brunch Files, where we serve up bottomless brunch-worthy topics about life in your 30s. We're your hosts, Tegan and Rachel, and on the menu today, we're going to be discussing the 10 words and phrases that you should consider ditching from your work vocabulary. Before we do though, uh, we've launched uh, in the last couple of weeks and it is actually just been so overwhelming, uh, people's response, the feedback we've received, people leaving lovely reviews and it's just... um, made us so happy so I guess we just wanted to say thank you if you've listened if you've left us a rating if you if you've sent us feedback thank you from the bottom of our hearts because it's really just blown us out of the water hasn't it yeah it's been so nice and I think as we said in one of our posts on um Instagram putting yourself out there like this Mm -hmm. and creating this podcast has been you know a bit of a leap of faith I think for all of us for both of us but uh we're really really enjoying it and yeah glad that you guys are too from what we've heard so far that's it so on that note um find us on social media we'd love to connect with you send us a message send us your feedback you know we're we're learning as we go along so any ideas or thoughts please send them through we are the brunchfiles.podcast on um, instagram and tiktok and you can also if you feel so inclined leave us a star rating on spotify or a review on apple podcasts or whichever platform you're using yeah it really helps us out so we'd love it if you could take the time to do that now, diving into today's topic, we have a list of 10 words and phrases, and it's not to say that they're bad in and of themselves or that they're wrong in any way, but when they're over overused, particularly in a work context, they can kind of undermine our credibility and capability without us even realising. And it can also come across as though we lack confidence in what we say, and a lot of this happens really, really unconsciously. That's it. And it can come back also to how, um, to the way we're perceived as women, I think, Speaking generally, but when a man is straight to the point, you know, he's confident, he's decisive, he's assertive and strong. But when a woman um, is, is, a, is like that, she can be labelled abrupt or blunt or, you know, she's just a bit of a bitch, which is horrible, um, or just that we're a bit harsh or, a bit, you know, it's just not perceived in the same way. Um, and again, not to generalise, but this can happen. Um, and the adjectives that come to mind are just much more negative. Um, We have touched on some of these phrases in previous episodes, like I'm sorry and just and things like that. Um, But we thought, look, let's dive into it a little bit more because we did get a really good response to that. And a number of people said to us, said to us that they were listening, listening in, nodding along um, and um, suggested we might dive into that a little bit more. So here we go. Yeah. And as we go through this list, um, what I found and just by putting this together and doing some research is that. I use all of these phrases oh, all me too. of the time. Me too. So we're all sort of working on eliminating we're in this together. these from our vocabulary. <laughs> exactly. But what came through, I think, when I was putting the list together was that so many of them can simply just be eliminated. We don't need them. No. It's unnecessary. It's superfluous. They're not needed. Um, and in some cases, there's a couple of little simple swaps. So we'll be touching mm-hmm. on those as well. But to kick us off, Rachel, do you want to do the honours? First one we have is let me know. And we should just clarify that it's let me know without any further context or detail. So saying let me know at the end of an email chain, which I do all the time, or a meeting or a conversation, seems like a good idea. It sounds polite and respectful, um, you know, <laughs> bonus points for an exclamation point. Mm. <laughs> I know I'm very guilty of that, but it's not actually helpful. It doesn't outline next steps or identify any action items, provides no clear direction, and the worst part of all, it puts the onus on someone else to do the work of the decision making. I'm such an overuser of let me know. <laughs> let me know. It's my constant sign off. Yep. And I don't know if you find this, but I think given the type of work that we do, I'm often 
writing thing. I do a lot of writing in both of our, both of our jobs. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of writing and communications, and a lot of that the time we're sort of writing on behalf of someone else mm-hmm. or putting you know writing on behalf of an organization. And so often having to send things for approval you know, before they're distributed, and I often find at the end I just default to let me know what you think. Yep. Um, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. It's just so easy to do. It's, and like I said, it sounds polite and like, oh, a gentle way to finish. But particularly if you're asking, um, if you have a clear ask of someone and you've had to email and, you know, instead of saying let me know, you know, you, you, if you need something, spelling out what you need and when you need it by mm-hmm. is much more helpful for everyone involved. The expectations yep. are clear. Mm-hmm. I think we sort of just do it to be a bit polite and so we're not treading on anyone's toes or just uh, sort of, you know, taking the, the pressure on mm. off ourselves as being the, oh, the one that's asking for too yeah. much maybe. I've tried to switch it to just say, if you have any feedback, please um, let me know. I think oh, in yeah. that context it's okay. Please let me – if you have any feedback, please let me know. You know, this is – we need to have this published and ready for submission by So maybe by X date, X date, yeah. You know, and then that way you kind of – yes, it's still in there, which mm-hmm. maybe there's, you know, professional career advisors who say <laughs> you could probably even remove it in that context. But um, at least it's sort of framed around a bit of a deadline mm-hmm. and gives people an idea of, you know, where we're going next with this and what the ask is of them. It's it doesn't kind of leave it open-ended. Specific ask, yeah. Yes. And, and sometimes it can avoid you then having to follow up later. Well, that's it. If you have fe- – or would appreciate your feedback on XYZ by this date, this time. Yeah. Yeah. You there eliminated you let me know. There you go. <laughs> I love it. What about – what's number two, Tegan? Number two was I feel like. Mm-hmm. And this phrase is commonly used to qualify an idea or viewpoint. When we're feeling unsure, we sort of throw it out there as a bit of a self-protection mm-hmm. against what we might anticipate, like anticipated criticism. Um, but removing these words really allows you to be taken a lot more seriously. And honestly, it's much more effective. So instead of saying, I feel like it might be better if we approach it a different way, you mm-hmm. could simply just say, if we approach the situation from this angle, we may have more success due to X, Y and Z. Yes, and I think I said this in a previous episode, but sometimes, no, you don't feel like you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think with I feel like there's a few others that sort of, um, you know, I feel like I was just thinking mm-hmm. um, perhaps may, maybe if we did, you know, all of those sorts of things. Might be a bad idea, but I feel like, you know. That's actually down on the list. Yeah, sorry, jumping longer. ahead. But <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, it definitely does. Again, I, I – I do think it comes from maybe a position of sort of nervousness or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not like you're not standing by what you're about to say. Mm-hmm. You're devaluing what you're about to say. Not that your feelings aren't important, mm-hmm. but, you know, in this context, it's like softening what you're going to say instead of you putting forward a really a strong opinion based on your knowledge and the evidence you have, you know, or X, Y, Z, whatever reasons. Mm. It's, it's like you said, superfluous, it's unnecessary. You could just yeah. start your statement instead yeah. of starting it like that. We should have added as well at the top of the episode, most of these phrases, I know for me, and just from the research that I was doing before this episode, mm. these often show up more so in written communications. Yes, so, emails. Yeah, emails, text messages, even Teams messages, and we're all mm. sort of messaging and communicating digitally um, for work in a lot of different ways these days. But I know just for myself, I'm less likely to say things like I feel like in a spoken mm-hmm. spoken context. It probably still comes up, but definitely more in written comms. And I think that's because, yeah, it's so hard to judge tone yes. in written comms. Because it's like, can we like that in text messages too? And it's probably why I overuse emojis. Um, you really want to 
ensure people understand where you're coming from and that you're polite and you're friendly yeah. and you're not being demanding and it's very easy to overthink it. Mm. And it, maybe that putting in phrases like that makes us feel like we're being a bit gentler and kinder and softer, which we don't yeah. always need to – we don't always want to be or always need mm. to be either. Another really interesting stat that I came across because, you know, the people – these are used by people of all genders, um, so men and women and everyone, old and young – uh, but they tend to show up more, most commonly for women. And what it was a really interesting set that I read. I can't remember where I can where where it was that I read it, but um, it actually said that women tend to use these phrases more as they move up the ladder. What yeah. really? Yep, because as women move into leadership roles, <gasps> I think there's that feeling of being perceived as harsh and bitchy mm-hmm. and stro- you know. Um, you know, just like career driven and a bit abrasive, and maybe there's more to lose as you move up too. Maybe I don't oh, know. that fear That's of not being liked. Yeah, and so often women will adapt their language to be a little bit more. I suppose it's like submissive in a way, yeah. or a little bit more meek, even. But I found that so fascinating because I thought it would have been totally the opposite. Totally, and I know why it shows up for me. It's wanting to be liked. It's not mm. wanting to offend anyone. It's mm. wanting to be friends with everyone, and you know, be a nice person, which is good. You know, it's nothing wrong with that. But um, I think when it's stopping you from doing your, not doing your job properly, but allowing you maybe to progress or mm. be more assertive and put put yourself out there a little bit, that it's problematic. Mm. Hit us with number three. All right, number three, which we have touched on actually in previous episodes, is just or actually uh the silent offender (laughs) which masquerades as you know respectful addition um but what it actually does is undermines the value of our opinion or our credibility i think it can also make us sound like we're being apologetic or defensive so like consider the differences between i just wanted to get your opinion versus i wanted your opinion Mm. they say the same thing but one Mm. is so much stronger than the other yeah and then actually uh, can sound rude and can imply you aren't receiving feedback well. For example, actually I meant this instead of that. Yeah. So fascinating how one little word can make such a difference to mm. the way a sentence can come across. Yep. And because in written communication you, you don't read tone, mm-hmm. sometimes what you think, I think actually is a really great point. I've never actually thought about actually yeah. that much. Yeah. And when you say, you know, actually I meant this instead of that, you might be reading it perfectly like how I just said it mm. when you're writing it out, but it could actually come across as actually. Yeah, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I said this instead of that. And it Get could it together. Someone could read it quite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting, really, uh, yeah, when you think it about is. it. But on just, I know I use just when I'm trying not to sound abrupt, when I'm making sure someone knows that I'm respecting their time and I'm like, mm. oh, I just wanted to check in. I like, it, we're all at work doing a job. People, people ask, things of us we ask things of other people mm. it's it doesn't really serve a purpose mm. it's like you can say i'm checking in on this you never say i'm just checking in on this yeah it it softens um well you can just say how are you going with that piece of yeah. work do you need a little bit more time to get it done or do you think you'll be able to meet that original deadline why do i struggle to say that mm. <laughs> i find myself trying to i'm really trying to challenge that but mm-hmm. sometimes i send it look at an email I'm like, i can't remove it uh-huh if I remove it, it's just too it's too stern. Yes. Can't do it. But if you think about it, you probably could look at your emails and um, questions people have asked you mm. or sorry, emails people have sent you asking questions. Are you thinking, well, they really should have said just then because I'm offended? No, <laughs> no. definitely not. Um, <laughs> apparently as well, there's a Google extension called uh, Just Not Sorry. 
or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And it will automatically remove your just and your sorries. I from need your, it. <laughs> I don't know if it still exists, but I did read about that somewhere. You get GPT onto it. But like, yeah. It, it's, it could be something we, I think we also do it without realising it. So something mm. like that, like to be pulled up on it, I think is, mm-hmm. is helpful. Definitely. Oh, there we go. What about number four? So number four is a bit of a mixed a mix of things that all sort of mean the same thing. So this is probably not this is probably a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I'm no expert, but or let me know if this is wrong. But ah, so just we all just need to not do this. Don't do most this, of the Rachel. time. It's an attempt to demonstrate humility, or you know, lower the. We're sort of unconsciously trying to lower the expectations of our listener in mm-hmm. case they they think our idea is crap, and. We don't want to sort of get that immediate uh, like setting ourselves criticism. up not to fail almost exactly. But essentially, but what you're doing is signaling to others right off the back that that sorry right off the bat that you're no expert hmm. and that they don't really need to listen to what you have to say and, and what that you're about they don't to really say. need to consider it. Yeah, what you're about to say may not have much value, so yeah. don't even bother listening. <laughs> and that's the so totally opposite to what we're trying to achieve by sharing our opinion mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, especially in a work context. As we said in our imposter syndrome episode, we're all employed to do a job. Mm-hmm. You're there for a reason because you have skills and you, you're bringing something to, to the table. So why do we immediately default to say, this is a, probably a bad idea and I'm no expert? Yeah. Your idea isn't probably bad. Mm. You have a valid opinion. Share it with conviction. And when I say this, I'm saying it to myself as much as <laughs> any of our listeners and, and to you, you know, it's just so easy to do. Yep. And it's kind of ironic that we are coming from that, position where we feel the need to defensively sort of outline the flaws of our viewpoints or position before we've even given other people the chance to mm-hmm. make an assessment of what we've said. Yeah. And even if it is wrong, so just say you did throw something out there and you didn't qualify it by saying this is probably wrong. Yeah. You, you could say, have we considered maybe approaching it this way? Mm-hmm. And if they say, oh, yes, we have, but that wouldn't we, work yeah. because of A, B and C. Well, great. But it doesn't matter. And then there'd be me being like, oh, sorry, dumb idea. You know, <laughs> like, but that's sorry. But also, it's also worth bearing in mind how we respond to that. If you put something out there and, okay, maybe it's not what, um, you know, the right approach or whatever, that's okay. You mm. need to be able to vocalize ideas. That's what coming mm. together as a team is for, brainstorming is for. Mm-hmm. I had um, in um, a performance review once a manager who was really fantastic and he approached this, um, his feedback in a um, divided into three parts and it was stop start continue so it was things to stop doing things to start doing and things to keep on doing and that was a really clever way of um of framing feedback mm. and i've since used that for someone as well uh but something he said to me was he's like start or stop stop uh, apologizing and undervaluing your contribution and your opinion. If mm. you have a lot to offer, back yourself and stand by it. Mm. Um, he basically said, "Yeah, stop apologizing." And it's this, and I know this is a little while ago now, and it's something I'm still working on. But you know, he was trying to say to me, "You've got things. You've got you know your opinion is valid. Mm. What you have to offer in a meeting, he, like speak up." He was mm. telling me, "Just just back yourself and speak up more mm. because you've got a lot to bring." Mm. Anyway, that's tangent, but <laughs> we should say no. I think it's a valuable tangent, though, because I did want to raise here that it's easy to say just put your opinion forward yeah. and don't feel this need to to qualify it. But I do think that your ability to do that isn't entirely. It's not just about what you're able to do. It's also yep. about the culture of the workplace that oh, you're part yeah. of or the room that you're part of. And I think there's something to be said for 
a psychologically safe workplace, mm-hmm. making it easier for people to share those their views in a way where they don't feel the need to have to say, I'm no expert, but... Yeah, do you um, want to kind of clarify for listeners, what does that mean, a psychologically safe workplace? Yeah, so psychological safety is the belief that you won't be punished or humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns or mistakes. Mm. And at work, it's a shared expectation held by members of a team that teammates will not embarrass, reject or punish them for sharing their ideas, taking risks or soliciting feedback. I love that. Yeah. Having worked in a psychologically safe team and a not psychologically safe team, where I haven't actually thought about it though in in terms of that definition, but it's it's so apparent to me, uh, you know, the difference that makes. I think for me, it's how empowered I feel to do my job, how confident I am. You know how when your confidence is knocked, it's awful. Mm. But when you have you know managers and team members around you that encourage you to speak up, that encourage you to share your opinion, that encourage mm-hmm. you not to apologize. Mm-hmm. And, and also give you a job and trust you to do it. You know, that's I think that all um, works towards creating that psychologically safe workplace where we also flourish. We yeah. do better, don't we? Yeah, because if you feel safe to say something wrong or to make a mistake or to fail in mm-hmm. some sense, then you're, you feel safer to try new things, to mm-hmm. grow, to push yourself out of your comfort zone which is where ultimately that professional development and that growth comes from. And if you're not Mm -hmm. given that opportunity because the environment that you're in doesn't make you feel that you're able to express a viewpoint, Mm -hmm. particularly early in your career, I think this is so important. I think early in your career you really need um, to be in a psychologically safe workplace, but the more advanced you get in your career, the onus is on you to be the creator. Yes, to foster that environment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. that whole failing safely thing. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> you can sort of apply it in different areas if you like, but it's like when people learn to fall safely mm. or in the gym, you can learn to fail safely in a squat. How do you get out of it if you're in the bottom of a squat and you can't back up? There's, um, can't get back up. There's actually people practice failing in a safe way mm. so that when you can do it with a light amount of weight, there's no, there's no um, real risk. So mm. that when you're actually pushing the boundaries a little bit, and same goes for your career. Um, it's just my analogy that's come to mind. Um, no, it's great. I love just, it. Not just, I like my analogy. I'm standing by my yes. analogy. <laughs> yes. um, it means you can push yourself to those points where you, you may feel unsafe, but you're going to go there anyway. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So just something to think about. But I do think, yeah, even if you don't find yourself in a really – you might be in a team that has a culture where there might be – because sometimes it can just be one or two people that create that psychological unsafety. Would that be the opposite? Yeah, unsafe environment. Um, Yeah, but I think still trying to challenge yourself to remove those qualifiers from your language Mm -hmm. and just have the confidence to express your views or test it out with people that you know are supportive and that you know are going Mm -hmm. to be open. And, And with a lot of these things, it's practice. Yeah. Practice makes perfect. The more you do it, the more comfortable we get with it and then yes. we can implement it more readily into our everyday. The more confidence you build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number five, does that make sense? Guilty. <laughs> guilty yeah, I'm guilty one. as well. <laughs> I know um, for myself after I'm done speaking uh, in a work situation or, sent, or finished typing an email with a lot of detail about a project or a task or maybe it's – my opinion or my suggestion, mm. I can clarify it by just being like, you know, um, oh, hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? Um, mm. Worrying that people are confused. Or maybe it's sometimes not even that. I know if I've been fairly clear, but worrying if maybe my ask is too much or mm. people are going to be like, oh, we don't really want to do that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. 
when speaking, this one rears its head for me a lot. Uh And I think it's because I'm naturally more of an extrovert. I'm quite a talker. I don't like silence, Rachel and I have both <laughs> spoken about the fact that we don't, maybe that's why we're creating a podcast so we can just talk and talk and talk. Um, but yeah, I really hate silence. I find it really uncomfortable. Yes. And I think sometimes I I rush to say, does that make sense? After I've expressed a view or an opinion or I've given some feedback on something and I'm waiting for people to respond, but I don't even give them the time to sit with it and consider yep. before I'm bursting in to say, does that make sense? Feeling the space, feeling the silence because yes. it's awkward. What is our yeah. issue with silence? This is, this is a whole other thing to go down because I'm the same. I yeah. fill every silence and I'm like, I just need to – sometimes that's okay. Sit in the silence. Let it be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And there's no issue inherently with checking for clarity. No. But it's just those particular words, does it make sense? You know, similar to what we were saying earlier with one of the other points, you know, at best it could come off a little bit meek or that you're mm-hmm. not sure if you made sense. But at worst it could also be perceived by the receiver as a bit condescending. Yeah, like, are true. we questioning whether something that you've just written out that makes perfect sense? Yeah. That they haven't understood. That's a good point too. Yeah. And what does it add? Like and what what could you say sort of instead, do you think? Well, I think in a meeting context, if you've shared a piece of a, you know, a piece of feedback and you're waiting for a response, is just pause, mm-hmm. embrace the pause. Embrace the silence. <laughs> and wait for people to ask a follow-up question. You know, we're all adults. If people don't understand something, they could – someone will come to you and say or will pipe up and say, that's really great. I'm not really sure what you meant by X. Can you give mm-hmm. me a little bit more information? Mm-hmm. Or in an email, you could either omit it completely because sometimes it may not be required. And people can ask a question if they need it. They yes. can come back with it and people can do that. Exactly. And Or you could just simply end it with, if you have any questions or would like any more information, please let me know. I use that a lot actually. I generally end, because it's a nice, it sort of sounds soft and nice, you know, um, if we can help with anything else, if I can clarify anything, let me know. Yeah. I think that's fine. Yeah, I think that's fine too. And I think it then doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, you've provided something super coherent. Yeah. Um. I also think as well, I often default to this when it's been, you know, it's quite a lengthy email. It's quite detailed. Sometimes it might be best to look back at that and go, do I need to provide all of this email, this information in an email? Could I do dot points or, you know, numbers, make it a bit more succinct or easier to digest? Yeah. I think just some simple ways to sort of tweak it and adjust. And, Mm. you know, again, it's, it's practice. Yeah, or maybe sometimes I hate a meeting for the sake of a meeting, but maybe sometimes a phone call is easier Mm -hmm. if you're worried something is not going to make sense. Or sometimes I'll say, um, you know, realise there's a lot of information here, happy to talk through. Yeah, we can jump on a call if that's easier. Just don't call me out of the blue on Teams because I hate that. Yeah. (laughs) No, at least ask you if I have time. (laughs) I think it's normal now and it's accepted post-COVID, but oh. Isn't it wild how you would never think twice about just calling someone randomly on the phone, phone, but calling them like video calling especially feels especially harsh. Video calling out of the blue on Teams is like. It's a lot. Yeah. I just, I know a lot of people probably find that really normal now. I just, I find it really jarring. confronting i wonder if it's because there's a perceived pressure to answer if someone's video calling you it's like oh i have to answer this sometimes i'm sitting in my hoodie because i didn't have a meeting though and i'm like man i've got to go change my top yeah (laughs) that's when people answer and they say sorry my internet's really slow i'm just keeping my (laughs) camera off (laughs) having some connection issues today no camera zone (laughs) sorry all right moving on number six and we've touched on this one a little bit Mm. but it's sorry good one so we're all for apologizing when the time and situation calls for it of course but women often over apologize and use sorry as a way to sort of preface or soften a request 
but we really just need to stop it. We need to stop using it when we're giving feedback. We need to stop using it if we're slightly late when responding to a request. You know, most deadlines are arbitrary and the other person may not even perceived it as late. Um, so we just really need to stop saying it when we're not sorry. I've noticed I... I apologize like it's a drop of a hat constantly all the time mm. if I but I've noticed that like there have been multiple times where I've like someone has nearly run into me in a shop and I'll say sorry even when it's mm. not my fault I think it's I don't know it's polite and it's nice and there's a place for it but I'm so quick to apologize to diffuse the situation and make it less uncomfortable mm. even if I've done nothing wrong mm. but again I think like just yeah and some of those other single words is they're really not needed yeah and I do the whole sorry to bother you I'm just checking in Mm. it's like so many qualifiers that it's like it's not needed not not needed yeah I think we've probably covered that a fair bit in in previous ones but um would love your thoughts on this one I feel like yeah like we said we're all for apologizing when when it's needed but have a think about how often you're just using that Mm. and is it is it weakening what you're saying is it is it needed? Does it also devalue the value of an apology is that as mm. well when it's really needed? If you're yeah. apologising for things that don't warrant it, yeah. then when a situation does call for it, yes. I don't know. Because I think apologies are really powerful and important and uh, you know, there's absolutely a place for them. And I think you, you don't want it to be undervalued, do you? Because you want when you say sorry for it to mean something. Mm. And also, you know, if you're really sorry, it's not something you're going to do again. Like it's not something you want to be just throwing around too mm. flippantly because mm. I think I think apologies are really important and should be meaningful. Absolutely. But then I just throw that word around all the time to mm. make myself feel less uncomfortable about asking someone for something that I really um, have, I should be able to ask them for, you know. <laughs> You've touched on something that feeds into all of these in a way, which is it's, a, it's that internalised fear of how we're going to be perceived. And I think Mm. it goes back to that whole piece around we're worrying about what other people think. Mm, People pleasing and worrying about other people's opinions constantly. I'm always battling this. Mm. Why do I care? Like what people think of us is none of our opinion. um, Yeah, not actually our – sorry, none of our business is what I'm trying to say. What someone else thinks of you is none of your business. I love that quote, Mm. but I really struggle with it. It's not easy. I think if it was easy – we wouldn't be sitting here making this episode. Having a whole conversation about it. But it's not as though any of the swaps or things that we've spoken about now are really, you know, swapping one thing for the other doesn't immediately, it's not going to change how that person perceives you in a no. negative light. If anything, it's probably going to make them perceive you better. And it's more professional, it's more assertive, it's more confident, mm-hmm. which is what we should be striving for. We should be trying to be confident in our decisions, yes. in our communication, in our actions, in everyday life, because it's our life and we've got our goals that we're working towards achieving where, you know, especially we're talking about this predominantly from a work context, but it shows up a lot. Mm. But there's nothing wrong with being confident and stating your opinion and being sure of yourself. Yes, Tegan. It's actually things we admire in other people. So then Respect, why don't we yeah. try to do that? For, like, why don't we try to instill that behaviour in ourselves? Or why do we shy away from instilling that behaviour in ourselves when it's something we look up to mm-hmm. leaders and other people and go, wow. They're so incredible. They know what they're talking about and they're clear about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I want to put what you said on like a poster and just read it every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. This is – I'm so guilty of number, number seven. seven. <laughs> Too many exclamation points or emojis. Look, I'm I'm not anti-emojis in a text all the time. You know, there's, there's a place for it. Um, but I feel like we can – 
I don't know how often you'd really use an emoji in a work email. I use them on Teams a bit with like colleagues. I do them in work emails from time to time. It just feels oh, – smiley faces. I'd love, smiley to, faces. love to drop a I smiley a face smiley. just so people know that I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm likeable and I'm not <laughs> – but then like in the exclamation mark. If I have mm. a whole email and there's not even one – I'm kind of proud of myself, but I'm kind of stressed because I'm like, oh, does it sound like I'm being just, do I sound grumpy? <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing a reel on Instagram a week or two ago and it was talking about, it was like a millennial email and she was like, hi, I'm just checking in, exclamation point. And then it was like, <laughs> then I don't use one in the second sentence. I finish that with a pull stop because I don't want to see seem unhinged unhinged or something but then by the last and but I have to finish it in the last sentence because I want to make sure I'm liked or something like that (laughs) that wasn't exactly how it went but it was kind of like that and it was I'm sure we've all had that mental sort of narrative is this is this a female thing is this I don't know what this is like why we should just be able to say things with full stops it's also sometimes a full stop just feels so harsh when people use a full stop in a text message I'm like ooh. Oh, what if you said someone? What if you sent an email to someone? How would you perceive this? If you said, "Hey, um, would you be able to help me with this task?" and they just come back, "Yes," full stop. <laughs> Makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I think they're pissed off. They're doing it begrudgingly. I'd be like, "Sure!" Exclamation mark, smiley face. Yeah, or even just like, "Yep," comma for sure. Exclamation point. Yes. It's so much. It says the same thing, but why does a yes with a full stop feel harsh? Oh, I don't know. It just does. I think. I think. Yeah, full stops. And I wonder if text messaging has done this because mm. I do. there might be a whole thing to this. I, I don't know. Like when we text, like I don't tend to use – I use um, question marks and exclamation marks a lot, but I only use full stops in text when I'm doing multiple sentences. But if I'm sending a couple of words, I'm not going to add a full stop. I'll add an emoji probably, mm. classic. Um, but there's something about it if someone sends a messenger or, a mm. message or messenger or a text where it just feels really – it's like, ooh, are they yeah. cranky? But why is a full stop? It's just – it's just um punctuation, punctuation. <laughs> not pronunciation <laughs> it just I don't know you can just feel too harsh but it is something that I'm trying to really make a conscious effort to delete those ex, ex uh, you know just getting to the end of an email and having a look and going oh six sentences five exclamation points is that too many <laughs> one max and trying one to max. eliminate yeah you know at least fewer exclamation points than there are sentences is a good place to start <laughs> sometimes I'll add something like have a really great day or yeah um, happy Friday, but I can't say happy Friday without an exclamation mark though. No, <laughs> yeah, a happy Friday with a full stop is not a happy Friday. It's not. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think one max, but also something like, um, you know, hope you have a great weekend or have a great rest of your day and yeah. sign off. You don't I always love it them. after 12 on a Friday where you can start saying, hope you have a great weekend, you, especially if you know you're not going to be corresponding with them for the rest of the day. Bye. Yeah, it's like, see ya. <laughs> but then I worry. I'm like, oh, it's 12 o'clock. Do they think I'm logging off? <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. We're out. <laughs> but no, I think it becomes fully acceptable. It's like, it's like when, um, it's like December. When can we start saying Merry Christmas? I love, uh-huh. I love Christmas. I or even the first week, couple of weeks back in January. It's Happy like, New when Year. is it too late to start, to stop saying Happy New Year? <laughs> I drag it out. I'm like Merry Christmas from the start of de- December. I feel like the first time you speak to anyone in January. You should say it. You can say Happy New Year. I hope, you know, 2023 is off to a great start yeah. for you or something can, like not that. not should. Yeah, you can still, it's fully acceptable. I yeah. mean, Feb, you might, it's might be getting a little Feb, bit. Feb, I think it's getting a bit down the line. Yeah, to, you know. Thinking about Easter by then, aren't we? <laughs> All right, we should keep this moving. <laughs> Sorry. Number eight is no problem if not. 
So this phrase is really just a conviction sapper. It undermines everything that you say. It isn't instructive. It's not helpful. So we all just need to fully cease to sis, stop it, throw it out and ask it never to come back. <laughs> there is no need to replace it with anything either, which I think is often what we default to. We're kind of like, oh, if I'm, if I'm getting rid of it. What, what, what can I say? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And we often say this, I find, when you've asked someone for something. Yes. We said, oh, you know, would you be able to help me with um, – you know, this this afternoon I'm just tr- struggling with a few things and could really use some help. But you say, no problem if not. And you know what? It's a big problem if not Yay. because you haven't asked them. Like you've asked them because you need it. <laughs> so it's not no problem if they say no, you know. Oh, that's a good one. I think it comes back to the point as well that we're all adults and if they can't help, they'll tell you. I'll say I don't have capacity today but so-and-so could help you or I'll help you Monday or I'll – yeah. Exactly. So we all just need to fight the urge and get rid of the no problem if not. Which is similar, probably probably leads on nicely to number nine, and that's I hope that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Again, it gives the perception we're seeking reassurance or trying to soften the blow of a request, when instead we could just say appreciate, um, you know, I appreciate the help or thanks for your consideration. It's yeah. you know, it's it's a stronger way. They're both stronger ways of saying you know the same thing. Well, yeah. because if we're saying I hope that's okay, we're just really trying to be like you know uh, polite and showing that we respect their time mm. and what capacity they may or may not have. <clears throat> um, so, you know, really appreciate the help with this or really appreciate your consideration. Yeah. Happy to discuss. I often yeah. add happy to discuss. Happy to discuss. I happy think to chat. Happy to chat this through. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, let me know if this doesn't sit with you, hoping you can help with this or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find as well, I hope that's okay, can come up a little bit if someone's given me a piece of feedback that I'm sort of rejecting. You know, I'll go back with my reasoning why and then say, I hope that's okay or I hope that makes sense, the one we used earlier. Um, And then I'd probably add a happy to to chat through or happy to discuss because I'm I'm already immediately worried about the fact that I'm rejecting what they've offered. That's a good one. Even though I know it's not right in that context or I've made the judgment based on what I know Mm -hmm. that it's not right, but I want to, yeah, soften the blow. Yeah, that's a really good one. And, uh, you know, you are, you, you've got, you need to stand by what you're saying because you have rejected it for a reason and you've just explained it. I hope that's okay. It's almost opening it up for further discussion when really a lot of the time, no, that, that's closed. There's a reason why you're rejecting that feedback and this is why. And mm. thanks again for your feedback. <laughs> but yeah. No thanks. Thanks, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number 10 is sorry to bother you. And it's a bit of a double whammy here, I think. You know, sorry rearing its head again. But I fall into this trap particularly when I'm reaching out to more senior people. I I probably use it more so on teams Mm -hmm. Um, or if I'm following up about a piece, you know, sometimes, as we said earlier, you've written something that you need approval from, so something to go out, and I'll say, sorry to bother you, but Uh. I'm just following up on – I just wanted to check in and it it so often comes layered with other other phrases. every day, I reckon. Yeah. And often teams, sorry to bother, yeah. just checking in. But the irony is, is that from the outset, we're immediately, we're trying not to be a bother, but by saying sorry to bother you, we're labelling ourselves as a bother. Yeah, we've we put it in there. I'm bothering head. you. Yeah, I'm about to bother you, sorry about that, but I'm going to bother you anyway. Yeah. And I'm a bother, so, you know, label me as such. Yep, and it can give, again, the perception that what you're approaching them with isn't important. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying sorry to bother you, it'd be much more constructive to say, when you have a moment, I'd like to chat to you about X. Yes. Do you have a moment? I want to talk about this. Let me know when you have a moment or 
pops, pop some time in my diary when it suits you because I need to talk to you about this. And it has the same effect. You know, it shows that you're being considerate of their time because mm-hmm. you're not asking then and there that you want to. You're an not answer. calling them with a video out of the blue without a message. <laughs> no, and you're giving them the opportunity to know they don't have to come back to you straight away. Uh-huh. But to you're know what it you on want their radar. Yeah. And you've also yeah, you've put the topic on their radar so their mind might start worrying. They can think they can work out, okay, this will be about this and I have to put my mind to that or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a it's a respectful way of of um, trying to get someone's time and to solve a problem mm. without being like sorry to bother you it's fine if not I was just hoping about this sorry 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 yeah exactly <laughs> and it's just so much more confident and professional in a way as well yep yeah I love that oh this has been such a great chat I'm like fired up to really pull these things out of my vocabulary now and just pick myself up on them yeah um, as I go into work this week I think I just want to be conscious of this. And, yeah, stop using some of these phrases. And, again, like we said earlier, practice makes perfect. Mm. So I think just by being aware, you know, hopefully as you've been listening today, you might have identified a couple of things that you find that you say and that you want to um, sort of work on. Hopefully it's not just us that are (laughs) battling this. I'm sure it's not just us. Because I even noticed it in emails I receive from other people. But I think now that we're aware, you know, awareness is the first step to them being able to sort of implement some strategies and minimization tactics I guess to sort of reduce the use of these in our vocabulary and you don't have to throw everything out straight away because that might feel like a bit too much of a leap baby steps yeah maybe there's four just in an email you can get it down to one or two and you know what I think we need to do is a part two to this episode where we talk about phrases and words we need to add to our vocabulary and practice saying yes I reckon that's our part two. But thank you so much for coming today and for listening. Like we said at the start, reach out to us on social media, thebrunchfiles.podcast. Um, send us an email as well. You know, just, just reach out. We'd love to connect with you, hear your thoughts on this topic, your stories. Also topic ideas. Is there anything you want um, to want us to discuss? Anything you disagree with? Like just send us your feedback. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. And we will see you in the next one. Bye. The Brunch Files would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live, meet, work and play, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and of course any First Nations peoples who may be listening today. This podcast is all about the adventures, stories and laughs of being a woman in her 30s. While we strive to entertain and share relatable experiences, please remember that our content is purely for fun and shouldn't be taken too seriously, and it's definitely not professional advice. Life is a wild ride and everyone's journey is unique. We believe that laughter is the best policy and we're just here to spread some joy.